Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? I was a little weak the first time, wouldn't you say? All right. Um, so Pastor Steve is off for uh, today, and then we'll be back uh, next week with us. And uh, he had a couple weeks off, courtesy of the region. The region was trying to help the pastors in this difficult time period of pandemic. And so they had arranged with each of the local churches that were up to it to support uh, them by giving them a couple weeks off. So we're excited about that and uh, excited to have him back. And so I'm uh, excited to share with you a little bit uh, this morning. And I'm going to open up with uh, a scripture and then we will uh, move into prayer. So if I press this button correctly. Oops. I pressed the wrong button. How about if we can advance the slide? Okay. There we go. So in the book of Psalm, it says, 9012, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let me open in prayer. Father, thank you for being you, the eternal father of us and the creator of the universe, the creator of time, of resources and relationships, of victories and hardships, of heartache and heartburn. Lord, you are the author of our lives. Each time we were surprised by something, you weren't. In fact, you were paving the way for what was coming next. Lord, I thank you. For those that have gathered and those that are in their cars in the parking lot or listening online, I ask that you will work in the hearts of the individuals this day and this week. And in your name I pray, amen. So for a little bit of a backstory, um, today I'm going to be talking about some of the things that Pastor Steve has shared with us that have had an impact on uh, me. And in 1990, uh, which was kind of a long time ago, Lynn and I started going to a gathering of people at a room at the United Methodist Church here in town. It's, it's a, I think, called Tenant Hall. Could someone confirm that? Is that what it is, Michelle? Okay. So Tenant Hall is where we started meeting on the Albion College campus in a room that was uh, dedicated or that we rented out each, each uh, month for our church services. A young pastor was preaching the word of God. His wife was active in the children's ministry. Music was being sung. And for us, we were just trying to determine if we could fit into this congregation. We had attended a few churches and without connecting. And that really is an important part of being involved in any church. But Caring Community Church was different. And in a way, we had no way of predicting And so a few minutes ago when I said a prayer that said um, each time we were surprised, God was not surprised. In fact, you were paving the way. And so I believe God was paving the way for us in going to some other churches and then connecting here. Fast forward to the following winter. And in December of that year, this church body made a walk from Tenant Hall to this building that we're sitting in today. And why did we make that walk? Because there were people that came before us that sacrificed and had a vision for the church. 
they decided that there was going to be a church building called Caring Community Church. And I say that because I think we need to keep perspective on some of the things that we're going through now and the things we will be going through in the future. The scripture of teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, I think is very apropos for this. And if you were to think about this building shortly after this building opened, the Jackson Citizen Patriot, um, which I'll just help you out here a little bit. So these are things called newspapers. Okay. (laughs) It's one way in which people got their news in the past. And if you were to say, well, that looks like an old newspaper, it is. It's about 30 years old. And uh, I said to Pastor, would you happen to know? And he said, well, back in their corner, whatever. So I found it. And I was, uh, there was a reporter that spoke to us, or spoke to me, uh, among some other people, about why you attend Caring Community Church. And I said this answer, Pastor Steve provided a real-world approach to the challenges facing families today. That was the answer I gave 30 years ago. And part of the message is going to show some examples of how his messages impacted me and my family over those, those years. You know, we're rounding the bend on Pastor Steve's ministry uh, with us. And it's natural to go through some periods of feeling uncomfortable or maybe even some grief. And I'd like to speak to that a little bit today. Every Monday I get a newsletter in my email box. Someone had suggested to me, and I've gotten a lot of wisdom out of it. It's called a two-minute Monday motivator. And the topic of this uh, message was the vital importance of rebounding from loss. We all experience loss in our lives. It's inescapable. It's part of the life journey. Sometimes it's a small and no big deal, like getting outvoted on where to eat or catching all the red lights. Sometimes the loss is midsize, like being passed over for promotion, losing a business deal, or heaven forbid the Spartans lose a football game. (laughs) Sometimes large and devastating lives or losses. And we've all had these, loss of a job, death of a loved one. These things hurt. You live long enough and you'll suffer a lot of losses. It's just part of life. But a universal constant is this. Life goes on even when we're still sputtering, choked, and in pain. Everyone else who didn't experience your loss is going about the business like nothing happened, oblivious to your anguish, The world keeps moving, unaffected, apathetic sometimes, coldly, not caring. It doesn't always seem fair. And sooner or later, we must, quote-unquote, re-enter Earth's atmosphere as a spaceship would and re-engage with life on the ground. Life can be unrelenting. An unfortunate truth is, with loss comes no guarantee against a further loss. Fact is, it could happen again. And if we let the anguish from one sad, unfortunate, or tragic event carry over into another, then another, then another, without releasing the steam valve, somewhere in the middle we can reach a point of explosion. It can even take a horrible toll on our health. It concludes no one can predict tomorrow with bullseyes, 
accuracy. We don't know what pain or loss awaits us. But no matter what dark days have befallen you or are yet to happen, know this. Good things, fabulous things, richly exciting things are on the horizon. If one day when you're ready, you will stand tall and terminate the grief and open your heart to a new beginning. Rebounding from loss is essential, a vital necessity for emotional well-being. So why did I tell you that story? You know, I, I shared that story because I think it's important for us to acknowledge at this stage of our church's life that some of these things are really in front of us. And that is challenging for us. <laughs> when you put page two down here, it doesn't work very good. <laughs> okay. Um, it's important to acknowledge that in the next few months um, we have some emotions that we're going to have to deal with. But let's be honest. Were we terribly surprised in February when Pastor Steve said to us, it's time for me to retire? No. We weren't terribly surprised by that. Did anyone expect or intend that God had in mind only one pastor for Caring Community Church? No. No. We thought there was going to be another one and another one and another one. I mean, quite frankly, if we're doing the word in which God has called us to, we will have multiple pastors in this building beyond our lifetimes. So we're all caretakers. You know, Pastor Steve and Diana, the leadership, each and every one of us, we're caretakers. We want to carry the ball forward until it gets to someone else to carry the ball a little further along. And that's why over six years ago, Pastor Steve went to the board of administration, the local board of administration, and said, we need to be having some discussions about succession planning. And as a church body, the local board of administration decided to recruit the services of uh, Ron Owens to help us with both succession planning and sabbatical. So we had a board meeting, we'll call it a Monday night. We arranged, Pastor Steve and I decided to, to meet Ron on Friday at a Pizza Hut, and we thought we would ask him to give this some consideration. And I share this story because I think it's important for people to see God's hand at work from time to time. We asked him if he would consider helping the board with sabbatical planning and succession planning. Thought he'd think about it and come back to us in a couple days. Looked us in the eye and he said, yes, God told me you'd be asking. You know, things happen in ways that are hard to imagine. And if you're, oops, sorry, I'm going the wrong way. This is my fault, not Lori's fault. I'm trying to get back to the scripture of Ephesians 3.20. There you go. Thank you. Ephesians 3.20 said, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. Before we asked the question on that Friday, Ron already knew that we were going to ask. I was at a meeting in the fellowship hall or in the tenant hall at Elvin United Methodist Church a couple of years ago, just before COVID hit us. 
And I was walking out. I commented to a friend of mine who was there with me, and I said, that's the room that we used to meet at at Caring Community Church before we moved to our building. And he looked at me, and he smiled, and he said, just think about all the souls that have been saved. And I thought, wow, what a great way to capture what has happened in that time period since then and is existing today. And so when I think about Pastor Steve stepping down from his position, think about all the hundreds of people, men and women, boys and girls, that he has led to a real and life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's hard to get much better than that. So as a church body, I believe one of our responsibilities is to do our part to help create that environment, if you will, for pastor to do our job. And we'll talk about some of those things this morning, but I'm going to go back to that uh, piece that I said before about when we started attending and Pastor Steve provided a real-world approach to the challenges facing families today. So for the next several minutes, I'm going to reflect on some of the messages that he's given that has helped to shape and mold the journey we've been on, the journey I've been on, that have made an impact on my life. I'm not necessarily going to call these a best of Pastor Steve messages, but we all have those that we can recall and have made an impact on us. They made me think. They challenged me in big ways and in small ways. And I think that's one of the things we always like to see in our pastor. So if you were to be here at uh, 945 in the morning, one of the things you may observe when you pull in the parking lot is the parking spaces are kind of filled on the perimeter. So never notice that? A couple of you nodding your heads. So why is that? Well, many years ago, a message was given by Pastor Steve. And he talked about the importance of leaving the spaces closer to the door for first-time visitors, perhaps for mothers with young children, perhaps for those that aren't able to walk as well, first-time guests, on and on and on. It's It's a service. It's part of serving one another. Anyone ever get dropped off out front in a rainstorm and someone comes running out with an umbrella, you know, that's service, and that's, that's culture. That's creating a culture that is, you know, working within our, our church. And it doesn't stop there. Ever have a potluck here? As soon as the last note's played, all of a sudden there's this flurry of activity. People tearing down chairs, rolling out tables, people bringing food in. It happens. That's culture. It's part of the culture. It's an unwritten statement of how things occur in this church. It doesn't stop with potlucks. People teaching in classrooms, cleaning the church, serving on a worship team, people counting the offering or welcoming people, sending out notes of encouragement, people paying bills, people taking care of the lawn and the parking lot in the winter, the heaven's least ballet, people on the church board, caring connections, and band of brothers. These are just some of the ways in which we serve one another, and this is, this is culture. And I pray that this culture that I'm referring to stays with us for a long, long time to come. Leaders may come and leaders may go. Board members may change, and they will. Um, But a culture is something that we do because that's part of serving uh, one another. Now, there's not 
only one way to have culture be implemented. It can be people talking about it, but sometimes it's more valuable when you We good? I guess so. <laughs> okay, so I'm talking a little bit about culture, and it's not always with the, um, the things that are written, but also what happens when people just watch things happen. They follow the actions that we take. I can be a simple person when it comes to what I watch for movies, which means I have about a dozen movies that I like to watch, and if they're ever on, I probably watch them time and time and time again. And that also means that I have to put up with the questions that sometimes come my way from my wife that says, geez, I wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> but I enjoy them, and as a result, I watch them. And so we're going to watch a clip from a movie called A Few Good Men. And if you've ever seen this movie, you may recall the scene, but I think it illustrates culture. And... It's Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson's in the movie, but it talks about different ways in which in the Marines people are taught how to do things that they need to be able to do. So if we could roll that, please. Corporal Jeffrey Owen Barnes, Marine Barracks Windward, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Corporal Barnes, name some reasons why a Marine would receive a code red. Being late for platoon or company meetings, keeping his barracks in disorder, falling back on a run, have you ever received a code red? Yes, sir. We were doing seven-man assault drills, and my weapon slipped. It was just because it was over 100 degrees, and my palms were sweaty, and I'd forgotten to use the resin like we were taught. What happened? That night, the guys in my squad threw a blanket over me, took turns punching me in the arm for five minutes, and then they poured glue on my hands. And it worked, too, because I ain't never dropped my weapon since. Private Santiago ever late for platoon meetings? Yes, sir. Was his barracks ever in disorder? Yes, sir. Did he ever fall back on a run? All the time, sir. Did he ever, prior to the night of September 6th, receive a code red? No, sir. Never? No, sir. You got a code red because your palms were sweaty. Why didn't Santiago, this burden to his unit, ever get one? Dawson wouldn't allow it, sir. Dawson wouldn't allow it. The guys talked tough about Santiago, but they wouldn't go near him. They were too afraid of Dawson, sir. Object. The witness is speculating. I'll rephrase. Jeffrey, did you ever want to give Santiago a code red? Yes, sir. Why didn't you? Because Dawson would kick my butt, sir. Good enough. Captain Ross can ask you some questions now. Corporal Barnes. I hold here the Marine Outline for Recruit Training. Are you familiar with this book? Yes, sir. Have you read it? Yes, sir. Good. Would you turn to the chapter that deals with Code Reds, please? Sir? Just flip to the page of the book that discusses Code Reds. 
Well, well, you see, sir, code red is a term that we use. I mean, just down at Gitmo. I don't know if. Oh, it's we're lucky then. Standard operating procedure, rifle security company, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Now, I assume we'll find the term code red in its definition in that book. Am I correct? No, sir. No? Corporal Barnes, I'm a Marine. Is there no book, no manual or pamphlet, no set of orders or regulations that lets me know that as a Marine, one of my duties is to perform code reds? No, sir. No book, sir. No further questions. Corporal. Would you turn to the page in this book that says where the mess hall is, please? <laughs> well, Lieutenant Caffey, that's not in the book, sir. You mean to say in all your time at Gitmo, you've never had a meal? No, sir. Three squares a day, sir. I don't understand. How did you know where the mess hall was if it's not in this book? Well, I guess I just followed the crowd at chow time, sir. No more questions. Corporal Barnes, you may step down. Thank you, sir. Corporal Jeffrey Owen Barnes, Marine Barracks Windward, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Culture is learned in a lot of different ways. But one of the things, one of the best ways in which people learn culture is through what they see, what they watch, what is demonstrated for them. And we've had a real privilege in that this started with Pastor Steve and Diana. It really did. But very quickly, a lot of people jumped on board and they started displaying this same culture, a culture of service, something that I think is very valuable to this church. Because when you're serving, you're connecting. And when you're connecting, you're able to become a part of something bigger than yourself. I made the comment that Lynn and I went to a few churches in Albion before we came to Caring Community Church, but what happened? We didn't connect. And through connecting with others, as we have here, it created a real life-changing situation for us. So that's why I get excited about uh, culture. You know, we will experience some new things with a new pastor, but I also think the foundation that we have is really worth fighting for. It's really worth making sure that we keep in place. This culture is kind of a foundation. And one of the things you heard frequently during the 40th anniversary service that we had, we had people that came up and talked a little bit about what the church meant to them, and you heard it time and time again. But one of the fundamental pieces that was said in some form or fashion, different words could have been used, but as soon as I walked in, I felt at home. And you heard that frequently. And that's something that I think we should be very proud of, something that we can, we can embrace and move, move um, and allow us to, to be strong with that type of um, behavior. So let me go to my next example. Pastor Steve gave a message probably 15 years ago and uttered these simple 17 words, but they were very profound words. Remember when I said that Pastor Steve provided a real-world approach to the challenges facing families today? These were the 17 words that he said. You can tell a person's priorities in life by how they handle 
their checkbook and their date book. 17 words. It was all part of a message that challenged us. Now, you think about those two areas of your life. They're almost interwoven with most, most decisions that you make. You know, I'm a goal guy. I've always been a goal guy. And for many, many years in my life, I set goals in different areas of my life. But one of the things I think about is a quote from Zig Ziglar that talks about goal setting. And it says, if you aim for nothing, you will hit it every time. Um, I'm not aligned to not aiming for things. And so every year in January, I set goals in six areas of my life, family, career, spiritual, financial, physical, and fun things to do. And I believe those six areas, as I compared those to what Pastor Steve put out as far as managing my checkbook and my date book, were intertwined with those as well. If I was worried about physical, and I am, then that means I need to dedicate time for it. If I'm interested in evaluating financial, that involves my checkbook, and I have to evaluate time for that too. One of the messages that Pastor Steve shared that helped dramatically with that, not just with me, but with other people in the church I know, is a book called The Blessed Life. And some of you may remember it from the series in which he, he preached, in which gave some real insights as to our financial well-being. If you haven't read the book, it's by Robert Morris. It's a great book. I have a copy. Feel free to ask me. But let's talk about examples. So a few years ago, and some of you can remember, we had a pretty worn out and used playground out here. The band of brothers, the men's group, decided to come and ask for some resources to be able to replace that. And we didn't just get a little bit of resources to replace it. We got a lot of resources to replace it, meaning even more than we either we even could have asked for is what we received in. And lo and behold, there's a playground out there. Those are things that are tied to people's checkbook. This spring, when we were celebrating our 40th anniversary, the board was excited about the fact that we had a reduction in our mortgage interest rate for this property after the expansion. And so what did we do? We came out in front of you and said, boy, we'd like to make a one-time donation We'd like, to, we'd like to ask you to consider making a one-time donation to try and help reduce the debt down of the church's expansion project. And what happened? Between the sacrificial giving that people provided and also some dollars that the board had, we were able to put a, an additional $75,000 towards reducing our mortgage. That is checkbook. That's managing our checkbook. And so... You know, there's other examples that, that I could give, but my point is, is that as a church, we've consistently done this type of stuff. And you as individuals have done this type of stuff. And maybe it's tied to pastor's messages, maybe it's tied to a lot of different things, but to me that was a very influential message that he gave that helped me with my walk. So the next question ties to our date book. And sometimes I realize these get a little bit uncomfortable, but... Um, I want to go back a little bit, and when I hold this up, you'll probably understand. When I was in high school, I moved. My family moved from living up in the Thumb area down to Coldwater 
when I was a junior in high school. And to say that that was a difficult time in my life would probably be an understatement. So any of those that have moved during high school, I feel your pain a little bit. Um, and during that time period, one of the things that I kind of latched on to was um, writing down quotes. They kind of made, made sense to me. And if you can imagine, I wrote them down in a book that I still refer to a little bit today. So a 45, 50-year-old book of cursive writing, hundreds and hundreds of sayings that I wrote. Why? Because they helped me. They comforted me. They, they um, gave, me, gave me guidance from time to time. And one of the ones that I wrote down, I'm going to share with you now. And it said, how you spend your time is more important than how you spend your money. Because you can always make more money, but time is gone forever. Um, it's funny, I couldn't do real well on the ACT test, but I could remember some phrases. So I guess it worked out okay. And also moving to cold water allowed me to meet Linda, so I think it worked out very okay. So as we think about this, let me ask you a question. Which is more challenging for you, your date book or your checkbook? Before you get too comfortable with whatever your answer is or what your comfort level is, let me go back to what Pastor Steve said, because that's really the, the comparison that I'm trying to find. And that is you can tell a person's priority by how they manage their checkbook and their date book, not one or the other. I'd like to give us all a free pass on some of those things, but Pastor Steve didn't give us a free pass. And because Pastor Steve didn't give us a free pass, I think that's what we learned from, from this example. You know, these messages that Pastor provided for us help us in very practical ways that we can follow God's loving way for our life. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, 9, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. Those aren't simple instructions. Those are serious instructions. Those are instructions that we're to have internalized that we can make a part of our foundation that we have. So do the priorities of your date book and checkbook align with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul? I really think they do. Our closing song that we're going to do, not now, but at the end of service, is the blessing. And I really do believe the shapes have been a tremendous blessing for us in so many different ways. And these messages that I referred to as the pastor gave are just two or three of a lot of different messages that are out there that were influential in my life. But I do think we have much to be thankful for here. It's been a tremendous blessing. And as we embrace, we go through what's going to occur with a new pastor coming in, there will be many more blessings that are going to be coming our way. Um, and I look forward to those. So if you could uh, join me in prayer as the worship team uh, comes up. Father, thank you for all that are here today. Thank you for those that love you with all their heart, mind, and soul. 
And thank you for the words of wisdom you provided, Pastor Steve, to help understand how we can love one another through service. Whether it's the parking lot or teaching a class, leading worship, each of us have abilities and talents. Lord, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for blessing the shapes uh, and what they've meant to us in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.